0: Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal-El. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s, but they really all sold out. it all together if you with me now. Nerds ruin everything. Nerds ruin everything. Say, nerds ruin everything. Nerds ruin everything. Nerds ruin everything. Nerds ruin
1: everything. Nerds, ruin everything. Nerds, ruin everything. nerds ruin
2: everything. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam And we're back after an impromptu week off Because yes. I was sick I lost my voice And yes. uh, it sucked And I'm still not 100% better And I still have no idea what happened Like literally just like congestion And my my throat just was <clears> throat> out and huh. but like no fever, no real sickness beyond like the cough and the congestion, and I, like it it's it was baffling. Everybody was like, "You have COVID." I was like, "I have no other symptoms, huh. nothing, no fever, nothing." Like I I felt a little run down for a couple of days but i mostly attributed that to you know laying down and then after two hours you know all that stuff starts settling and you're you're just back coughing so Hmm. um so i just wasn't sleeping that well but uh anyway which is which is the worst
0: i mean like let's be honest here like Like, losing the voice is one thing, but, like, not being able to sleep through it to recover, that's even worse. So, I'm glad that you were on the mend, Uh, you know. uh, I mean, and plus, let's just be honest. I mean, was there anything really to talk about last week?
2: I mean... I mean, no episode of Loki.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, we're two behind. We can kind of talk about that. Uh, You know, there was that. And, you know, I didn't get to see... uh, Killers of the Flower Moon until this week. Um, this weekend, yeah. last weekend I was I, I mean, it, it worked out because like I was I was whatchamacallit. Um I was working. I worked all weekend, which is always fun uh for anybody who has a has a job that requires you to be extremely flexible with your schedule. Um, you know how that works. So yeah. But um yeah, so like why don't we get into some news? We've we've heard some uh, we've heard like there's been a couple of things that have been of interest for us. Um, I did want to ask you something that I we didn't talk about beforehand, which is is that um, because David Fincher is doing some
2: press, uh, actually not some, a lot of press for his movie The Killer with Michael Fassbender, they've been. Do you think it's them, because he's the only person that can do press for the movie at this point?
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And this is his baby. This is the thing. Like. I've I've known that he's been working on this which I mean as you probably already know it's an adaptation of a um a graphic novel um, yeah. and he's been working on this for as long as the thing has been in galley so I think it's been almost 10 years now him and Andrew Kevin Walker had worked on this um and like everything I'm hearing it's it's either you take it or leave it it's either kind of a brilliant piece of kind of like his like everybody and he has said it, and he has admitted this that this is his like answer to what happened with fight club and like you know like how the wrong message was taken from fight club and this is kind of like his his like, and kevin walker who worked on the script with him um uh, they're kind of like they're kind of exercising the demons of Fight Club and the cultish nature of that and what it meant into the pop culture, which I find interesting. But I wanted to ask you, everybody holds, like, everybody says Fincher's best work is the social network, right? And now that's coming out that him and Sorkin have started to, like, kind of discuss a follow-up to it. Not a sequel, necessarily, but, like, a follow-up because of all of the... Very interesting things that had happened in the, like, you know, in the 20 years that Facebook has been around, um, the second half of it. Um, what do you think of that? Do we really need a social network part two? Um, is that I mean, something that you're even interested in?
2: Kind of. It It's always amazing to me that people consider that to be, like, the pinnacle of... His work which.
1: Yeah.
2: I can see why. Uh, you know the pairing of him and Sorkin. Is just so. So so good. Yeah. But. And I can understand the temptation. Of like. Following those threads. To where we are now. But mm-hmm. like. It, it, it's. <laughs> um, I'm going to make a weird comparison. It's a lot like what happens at the end of Loki season one. Because yeah. those threads are so vast. Like how do you there's no there's no real through line no. because it, it branches out into so many different things. And True. you know it, I I just don't know how you streamline that into something. No that said, if anybody can do that, it would be Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher. Um, Absolutely,
0: uh, you're so. actually working on something. You're working on something for the site uh, that's Fincher centric for one of your moving pictures. I, I will just leave it as that. I won't talk. Uh, I won't talk about which movie you're you're talking about, but it's the one that's the most fascinating to me because it's a bi- It's the biggest what if of his career. Um, yeah, but like. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, like I was talking to somebody about Venture recently because they saw the killer, and they were talking about the kind of like the similar thing. It's like, like the Social Network should stand as it is. It's not his greatest work. That's Zodiac. But if they, I
2: were, was, I was going to ask you what you thought his greatest work was. Uh, I, I, I need to rewatch. It's it's funny because Spencer rewatched Zodiac this week and uh-huh. was. Well, texting me he's like this movie's just so great like i i haven't seen it in 10 years i mean you know it's yeah
0: i would say it's a tie between like it's his two serial killer movies it's zodiac and seven like seven like the head in the box you just like i don't know like like i always feel like fincher is kind of like the r equivalent to um kubrick but a little bit more cagey, a little less, like, a little bit more open to the public, if you know what I mean. Um, a little bit open to, like, a, like a, not, not a little, a lot more kind of, like, conventionally, like, social. Um, but I feel like Seven and Zodiac feel like movies that are what fincher feels like and i know this sounds very weird but he's like he's a humanist but he's also an anti-humanist like and i feel like seven and zodiac are like the yin and yang of his career and are like his best movies like i can't separate either one of them right because they're both about serial killers they're both about humanity they're both about folly of human nature um and obsessions um yeah and i don't know man like i i fucking hate that seven has that one shithead in it, but fuck. When they when those three are in the car, it's literally like humanity is having a conversation. And I've seen it recently. I, I actually went back to it um, earlier this year, and it's the hardest watch I've had recently. Like it was interesting because it was just so. It's such a it's such a pitch black view of humanity um that i as a kid i was like fuck yeah it's a kick right it's almost like it's it's very much like a clockwork orange um which as you get older that movie fucking changes on you and seven changed on me it went from like this it went from like me having the point of view of the of the Brad Pitt character to me having the view of the Morgan Freeman character which was a very interesting like you know uh interesting kind of uh reaction to it. But yeah, I'd say 7 in zodiac, like between the two. Social network is like a distant 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 third. Um followed by I mean I have to say Fight Club even though it's the, like the most toxic movie around, right? Like we could probably call it like the beginning of incels and the proud boys, right? Yeah. Like like it really is like it's it truly like between that and and seven, they are truly like nowadays. Like they're like like there's movies that are just never be made again, right? And those two are movies that will never be made again, like like yeah. in the manner in which they were made. So I, I didn't mean this to be like a Fincher fucking combo at the beginning,
2: uh, but yeah, I there there's actually uh, uh, two Fincher films I haven't. I've never seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Okay, and I've never seen. Uh, of course, it, it only came out in twenty twenty, but I I didn't see uh, Mank. Mank. Okay, um, I, I or, which I didn't hear like, a ton about.
0: I think you would like Mank, like you're like knowing your disposition towards certain kinds of films. I feel like a it's a Gary Oldman film, and it's Gary Oldman yeah. front and center, right? But it's the like. It's the kind of... I feel like it's just cagey enough to, like, be outside of, like, insider Hollywood stuff. But be funny enough and weird enough and kind of, like, built in the way that I feel like you would like it. Uh, it's not a great... It's not, like, his great works, right? It Like, he tried to try to make it, like, social network. Like, he tried to make it big. I know it's a script by his dad, and he didn't touch it after his dad passed. Um, though he had some assistance by again um, Andrew Kevin Walker, the screenwriter of Seven and also The Killer, um, they had he had a little bit of work from him and Sorkin to kind of push it, um, but it feels like an experiment. If that makes sense, like it feels like something that he could have tinkered with for 10 years and it still feel the same thing. Like it's an experiment in style in storytelling and how he feels movie making is like, like, it really does feel like, like even though it's about Citizen Kane and the writing of Citizen Kane, it really does feel like Fincher is like, this is the way, this is what it's like for me to make movies. Like this is like fucking like it induces alcoholism and like a shit like a shit point of view of humanity and myself and it's tough work but it's also beautiful and amazing and like you know critics never understand it uh what i'm yeah. trying to say but i don't want to say it but uh yeah no it's interesting
2: uh how, what do you what is your what is like the pinnacle of fincher's career for you i mean it's really tough i There's not a David Fincher movie I've seen that I don't enjoy in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. But there's also only one that truly, I'm just like, well, I love that movie. And that's his first movie. So, okay. Now, question, question for you like, now that we're like, because we're talking about Alien 3, are you talking about his original cut or the theatrical cut? I mean, I loved the theatrical cut. Yes. and okay. uh, But, like, his cut really doesn't even exist, though, right? Because he refused yeah. to participate. So yes. it's basically this just, like, work print assembly of, like, what we think his cut might have looked like. Which is infinitely better than the oh. original theatrical release. Oh, hell
0: yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That thing was, like, yeah, like, and, uh, you know, I kind of love the fact that it's, like, it's the most finchery thing to set an alien film in a prison, right? And have the scourges of humanity and uh, make it a twofer between Sigourney Reaver and Charles Dutton. Charles S. Dutton, because Charles dances in the movie and... uh, He's like and not to be mistaken. had <laughs> oh,
2: forgotten that.
0: Oh, you had forgotten. Yes, I was like, like oh shit. <laughs> like, like the best part about that is the Charles Dance character is a character that they actually created. The whole thing of like the drugged up, uh, the drugged up medical like, uh, like, um, doctor is like a cliche that they perfected that the nineties took and ran with for a very long time, right? But like in this movie, it's so good and subtle and kind of like Charles Dance has that speech before he gets murdered, before he gets murked by the alien. That's just fucking beautiful and wonderful. But that's like the, but that's the Fincher thing, right? Is to like do something and build something up and then just cut it, uh, cut it off at the knees.
2: Um, Yeah, dude. Like,
1: like something about-
2: uh Paul oh, McGann, Brian God. Glover, uh, yep. Pete Possilwaite. Like there's so much stuff that gets uh kind of left behind when mm-hmm. you're just watching the original theatrical cut. Um it, it's yeah that that work print mm-hmm. edition especially so the original work print on the DVD release they because they kept. I, I'm assuming they kept waiting. Like we're get, we're Fincher's gonna jump in, and basically mm-hmm. that never happened. They didn't have time to go in and redub any or clean up any of the dialogue. Even some of the like footage itself doesn't look great. So no. if you watch the work print on the original DVD, it, it like you'll see. The the changes are so rough And some of the dialogue You can't even understand So they just insert the subtitles Anyway Um, But they cleaned it up a lot For the the Blu-ray edition um, Which is also A much smaller box set (laughs) (laughs) Yes it is That Uh, original DVD set Was huge Um, Yeah What the the other nice thing is about that
0: Blu-ray edition is they have the extended version, the extended uncut version of the making of documentary that yeah. has a lot of the the footage from Fincher talking on set about, like, the shittiness of the making of the movie and the person that
2: was specifically responsible for making it yeah. so shitty for him. Um, I, just as I've watched... All of the like the alien quadrilogy set is one of the the handful of sets that I've I've devoured all of those special features. And one of the most interesting things about not to make this alien centric is that Mm -hmm. only one of those four movies was in completely uncomplicated production where everything just went smoothly. Yep. And it's the worst fucking movie <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Like, at, like at Alien Resurrection Like they had a uh, The studio finally got a director That they could boss around The dude didn't even speak English Um They, they got a A writer who Like was basically just happy To be there Um, uh, Before he became the Joss Whedon Um <laughs> And the then, troubling
0: Joss Whedon
2: <laughs> Yeah And then uh, And what's really funny is Watch Alien Resurrection And then go watch Firefly And be like Oh <laughs> Like That's yeah. the crew of Firefly <laughs> That's the crew Exactly Of, of Serenity
0: Exactly like,
2: Just You know um, uh, <laughs> Transposed um, Yeah, uh, They're a little more noble In Firefly But it is very You can see the like Prototype of all of these characters, um, oh, and even of some of the story. Um, oh yeah, but no, uh no,
0: absolutely. But I will say this much: in the in the theatrical TV versions, man, would I have loved Michael
2: Wincott to replace Nathan Fillion? <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, Michael I, White. I, Michael Wincott's one of those actors who just never really got his like his moment like no. we have alien resurrection the crow like he had that like brief yeah uh, that brief stint of, yeah. of of oh hey this guy's great and yeah he just you know never took off like he should have you know
0: not he really didn't and then it's kind of beautiful because like he's in an alien movie he's like he's like this guy who was like Alan Strange Rickman days, Jr. that's the other one I was thinking oh, yeah. about. Yep. But he's Alan Rickman Jr., right? Like we all thought like in the 90s when we saw this dude ha- happen, we're like, oh, he's going to be like Alan Rickman, right? He's going to be like the the European, the Euro trash du jour, like, you know, uh, bad guy. Because Alan Rickman was that for the longest time, right? Until he took Snape and turn, like, you know, everybody loves it. Like everybody just knows him as either Hans Gruber or Snape. We thought that that was going to happen to Michael Wincott, but it didn't. But the thing that I love is that, like, last, like, was it last year or the year before? Like, Jordan Peele uses him beautifully in Nope.
1: I still haven't bas-
0: seen
2: Nope. I know oh, he's in it, but I haven't seen it.
0: Oh, God, dude. You have to see this just because he's, like, I, I will say this much. In his role, he is basically the equivalent of Quint from Jaws. And at that point I think that you kind of really need to see it especially if you're a Michael Wincott fan and you didn't know that about the movie. He is essentially Quint coming in later in the sh- in the show but just literally Robert shying the shit out of this uh, out of this movie. And it's just a, it, there's a moment where it just becomes very alive with him like it's like I don't know like I love Nope. I've seen it uh, a couple of times. I feel like I know that Get Out gets all the praise. But I feel like Nope is like Jordan Peele flexing in a way that it's like, oh, you know what? Those ones were kind of like me, but this is me. This is me full on, like Alien Jaws, anime, um, like, you know, all the things that I love, like, you know, uh, like Animals Gone Bad, like all of these things that, like, like... All these things like Stephen King. I'm gonna put this all wrapped up and I'm gonna make it this package that like you just like it's simple, it's linear, it's lean, but it just works. Like I fucking love that movie. Um, and like I said, like it's probably my favorite. It's not the best. I mean, Get Out is probably still the best, but my favorite Jordan Peele. I think it's Nope. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, Fincher, like Back to Fincher. Uh, fuck man, like.
2: It's wild uh it's wild to think that like that... i'll say, I'll say this too like uh-huh. talking about uh, Alien three yes is probably my favorite, but just sentimentally so uh-huh. I, I I do think he made a movie that gets glossed over just because of like what it is, and it's very mm-hmm. popcorny. Fucking Gone Girl is a lot of fun, man. It really is. Like, it really is. <laughs> that movie threw me for such a loop. I, I knew nothing about the 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 story. Oh, okay. Like I knew how popular the book was, and I went to go see that movie, and I was floored at how like just that 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 very psycho tonal shift. Of like oh shit Like this is like it starts off as one movie And becomes this other movie And like Did not expect it He handles it so fucking well And I, I it's just Such a fun Movie I, I, I mean it's maybe The least important Of his movies um, Yeah Just in the sense that it's It is a popcorn flick Um, but God is so much fun, man.
1: It really
0: is. Like, so like quite like between that and it's like, there's these three thrillers that he has the trilogy, right? The, the fucking with your mind trilogy, right? Gone girl, the game and panic room. And all of them are, they're a lot of fun. I feel like gone girl is the best, especially if you're a person that does not like Ben Affleck, like, this is the movie to watch because he goes through so, like, his character goes, he's a dumb fucking yeah. man. He's, like, really dumb. Like, like I love that, but I also love the fact that they put him through the ringer. Like, he goes through so much stupid shit because he's an asshole, right? Um, because he's, like, it's weird because, like, when you watch it, it starts becoming very funny as long as you're okay with the fact that you understand, this guy's a terrible human being. Like he's yeah. like a shitty, like they're both terrible people, right? But she is just an elite psychopath. <laughs> like like there's no way around it. Like she's an elite psychopath against him being just a dumb idiot bull in a China shop. But I feel like the best part of that movie Is the thing that people don't talk
2: about enough Which is Tyler Perry as his Tyler Perry and Neil Patrick Harris Yes Those were two in my opinion Oscar caliber supporting Performances in that movie Like they Uh are so Much fun and just So great and like you Realize like Oh what here's two people that While they are absolutely stars Maybe never got, like, that super credit that they deserve for their acting ability. Because holy shit, are they good.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, they are so fucking good. Uh, Both of them. I mean, everybody in the cast is great, right? Like, like I, I will say this also, is that I feel like Fincher is the one person that has gotten... A brother sister relationship, right? With between Margot and Nick, the they're but they're twins, um, which adds a, a a weird, interesting complication. But I feel like like very rarely do you feel like brothers and sisters are brothers and sisters. Brothers, yes, but brothers and sisters, it's always so weird um, how yeah. they like. But I feel like Carrie Coon and Ben Affleck found a way to make it work. I don't know if I and you would probably know this better than I would um, if the twin thing works, but I know as brother and sister, they absolutely work um, oh, which yeah. is a okay, all right, absolutely. Um, like I just love how much she Margot like is like the is like the is like the red light, right? like she's constantly telling Nick, don't what are you are you a fucking idiot? What are you doing? Like this, like I've had conversations with my sister and pre- from previous relationships that were exactly the same things that Margot and Nick talk about, and the kind of exasperated, but you know what, he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, he's going to get himself in trouble when he finally, like, w- once things really start to solidify. Um, I've had those conversations, and they work. Um, and then of course Roseman Pike, like I as mean, Amy. Yeah. She,
2: she's
0: she, so good she's so good she's such a hitchcock blonde by way of by by way of the knowledge of sharon stone in in her psychosexual thrillers right like she's like the perfect amalgamation of both of those things like she's the icy cold blonde but it's not repressed sexuality it's like forward sexuality um which is wild. Like um it's it's a fun movie. I actually might have to me and my wife might actually have to go back to that to, uh, this week because it's kind of a horror movie
2: but it's kind of not. It's kind of like this weird black comedy. Um but that's the I, other I, I thing I kind of just dig about it is that it's like it it is very much a like terrible people doing terrible things to each other and it's just like yeah. you know it, it It's hard to, like, you kind of feel bad for both of them, but I'll like it. It's very like Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, where I'm just like, yeah, like I mean, I kind of feel bad just on like a human decency front, but also these privileged ass, (laughs) like, just (laughs) shitty fucking people, like just just being shitty to each other, (laughs) and it's. It's it's War of the Roses, you know? Uh, it, yes. It's, yeah, it it, it's really a is. lot of fun. And I, I think it just gets overlooked because it isn't a, a quote, important movie. Like, even like Benjamin Button. Yeah. It, again, haven't seen it. But, like, I get why, like, adapting that story and, like, there's something to say there. I don't feel like Gone Girl has anything... To say much beyond, like, look at these privileged ass white people, <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> um, and it also has like one of the best endings in a long time in the last like twenty years. Like, I'm somebody that loves when you end it when it needs to fucking end, right? Like, like I was talking, like, I, like you know, we were. I was just talking to you about Cujo and and like having watched the four K of uh, the most recent release of Cujo, which is 4K. And the movie, what I respect about it, is it literally ends when it needs to end. Like, the dog is dead, the husband and wife are together, the kid, uh, sorry to ruin a 40-year-old movie and uh, a 45-year-old book, but, you know, come on, guys. Um, but it ends, like, literally the, the husband and wife see each other, like, Dee Wallace sees her husband, and it ends. And that's all there needs to be. Like, yeah. and the fact that like it's it's perfect because it's like it's the moment where he finds out that she's pregnant and he's on the fucking hook and like literally like i want to see it now because like after all these goddamn ben affleck like memes like these like these like unsatisfied unhappy ben Affleck like it's literally like gone girl was was like okay, 10 years in the future, this is going to be Ben Affleck. He's going to be so disenchanted with everything. Um, yeah. And it, it's just the perfect, it's the perfect ending. And I just love the way that Tyler Perry just kind of, like his character Tanner Bolt just continues to like, be like starts to laugh at him because he knows, he's like, you fucked up. You done fucked mm-hmm. up. You fucked up. You thought that you were, I, I don't know what you were thinking, but you done fucked up uh and you're going to continue to fuck up and you're with her. Thank God you're with her because if anybody else was with her, she just continued to kill them. You yep. know. Um <laughs> it's such a it's such a fantastic movie with and the thing is is that it's the thing that I love about okay, so like the thing that I love the most about Fincher films is not the visual style. It's not the the pitch perfect screenplays. It's the fact that he casts perfectly because Everybody in this movie is like perfectly cast. Like somebody like Patrick Fujit that never gets any kind of screen time and anything now was perfectly cast as a cop, but he's not your normal cop. He's just like a regular old detective, right? Like he's just, he's a, but the way that he brings the kind of utility and good naturedness that Patrick Fujit brings to a role is kind of great. The same way that like, you who casts missy Pyle
2: as nancy grace right yeah, it makes, she's so good <laughs> like it's so it when good. you see her do it it's just like oh my god that's perfect <laughs>
0: uh exactly or and emily radakowski uh, as as uh as ben affleck's like student like fuck buddy like she's perfect You've never I've never seen her since be as perfect as she is in this movie. Like the way that she's interacting with like Affleck, the way that Affleck just has no time for her. It's like or Casey Wilson is like their neighbor. Like there's just so many good performances. Boyd Holbrook, before he was Boyd Holbrook, uh, you know, uh villain de jour, like just showing up as a as a small part. It's I don't know, man. It's some like it's some crazy good uh it's some crazy good, deep supporting work, and that's like, like in his movies, all of his movies, like, like one of my favorite performances is of his in his movies is um, fucking Dwight Yoakam in Panic Room, who
1: yeah. who
0: doesn't take off his goddamn mask until the final, like, the finale of the movie, like, and then just the way he interacts with Jared Leto and like his stupid shit, like, it's just I don't know, man, like his, like he he gets a lot of acclaim for a lot of things, but I don't think that he gets acclaim for that, like, you know, that cast, the casting of his supporting, his supporting players are almost as exciting, if not more so than the leads he gets in his films.
2: Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Like panic room would be the other one I would point to and be like, people sleep on that. People talk about the, the, the game enough that. I, I feel like it, it it gets the credit it it more or less deserves, but like *Panic oh, yeah. Room*, I don't I don't think ever really did. Uh, maybe because it wasn't like a super box office, uh, like a blockbuster. But uh, I know *Gone Girl* was fairly successful, but it yeah. it's easy to just be dismissive and be like, yeah, but you know, like it's that book adaptation and it it just is what it. But like those movies are so. <clears throat> especially panic room and gone girl Uh, they're just so much fun and so like i i don't know like by the time you get to the end it is kind of funny like panic room less so it's not really funny it's just very like (laughs) haha jokes on you (laughs) yeah um but uh yeah that that's another one that has such a good supporting cast so um, yeah, no, that, anyway, that
1: really
0: is. But uh, I'm excited yeah, to see the Fincher. killer. So <laughs> I am too. Like I tried to I try to get into a screening. Um because there, there's like like three places that are showing it in LA. Like fucking Netflix, man, with their like I will say like Apple T Apple, thank you for making uh, for pushing uh Killers of the Flower Moon into screens and multiple screens so it makes it easy for us to, to see it. Like the killer i i like like the three places that are have it are all sold out like i can't go see it like i have to wait for the movie to come out on uh, um on netflix and that kind of sucks like especially when you want to kind of see something in the big screen um yeah. but anyway um we will probably definitely have a discussion about uh about the killer once it's uh released on i think it's november 10th the week of november 10th so it's coming up um uh, and we've already set the field for, uh, we've already set the field for, for our Fincher discussion. Like, we've already had a, a mini Fincher discussion. So, um, but
2: I guess maybe some news.
0: <laughs> we're, we're so... I mean, we're the, so... there's,
2: the Daredevil thing is really, yes. I guess, the biggest news. And, I mean, it's not a huge surprise, I guess. No. Um, that I, I, they're retooling the entire series. It's Probably going to get pushed again yep. to uh, 2025, probably. Um, yeah. If not late like 2024, s- early 2025, maybe.
0: Yeah, um, uh, just like Snow White. Snow White got pushed a year. Um,
2: yeah,
0: which that picture's creepy. Uh, they really just don't like. If you're going to do dwarves, do dwarves. Don't do CGI ones. I'm sorry. Like, like that was terrible. Like, she looks perfect. Rachel Zelger, like I have no qualms with her being Snow White, right? Like she looks perfect and she's got a beautiful voice. She'll be fine. It's those CGI like dwarves, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, like the I like the idea that um that maybe they've they have found like another directing duo. Um, Benson and Moorhead are taking over the directing reins. Especially because of Loki. Like, I think it's because of Loki that, like, if they became the Russo brothers of the film version of uh, the TV arm of Marvel, I would not be, I wouldn't be mad about it. Like, I don't know how you feel about them taking over. Like, because Loki is very strongly, I feel like now with the last two episodes, it's very strongly them and what they do with this whole very, Sci fi timey wimey flat circle Doctor Who isms, but on a different weird level um, with Loki. But um, I'm very interested about what they do with Daredevil because I don't know. Like, so I have to ask because we've never talked about Daredevil, the Netflix. Do you, where do you
2: stand on that? Like, do you like it? Did you not like it? Were you like, meh? I mean, it has its its ups and downs. Overall, I think it's very, very good. I okay. I think if you put if you stack everything up on top of each other, it it would go probably. I think the two seasons of The Punisher are mm-hmm. great. Like just absolutely great Like top to bottom Then Daredevil Which has some ups and downs Then mm-hmm. uh, Luke Cage Which I think is extremely Solid throughout But has some moments in the middle of each Season that are eh And then of course Iron Fist Is absolutely terrible um, And then the, the crossover Is just not very good At all so, yeah, that, that crossover here.
0: I, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention, like, my favorite of all these things is Jessica
2: Jones. That one season of Jessica Jones. I really, <laughs> yeah, it. it to me it stands outside a lot of that. Yeah, um,
0: I, I figure it as much. Um, and maybe that's why you didn't include it because
2: it's so, even though it she's is, in Luke's cage, right? So it's superhero y, but it's also. Like, to me, Jessica Jones is the thing that, like, that kind of thing, Marvel mm-hmm. will never touch. Oh, no.
1: Absolutely like, not. they're
2: never going—even if they bring the character over, like, they're never going to get into how fucked up all that is. And it was two seasons, and I, I think they're both really, really good.
0: Yeah, the first is better than the second, of course. Like like I always feel like there's like with these Marvel TV shows, with the exception of Loki, there's diminishing returns.
2: Like you do a second season, and it doesn't
0: matter whether, whether it's like I like the first season of Punisher more than I like uh I'm
2: sorry, it was three seasons.
0: So. Oh it was? Oh Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah. Um like Punisher is like one of those ones where it's like I don't know, like I like Punisher, I really do it's just um it's so difficult now with the way that um punisher is like and his logo has been co-opted yeah.
1: um and
0: i don't know how you get around that right like i don't know like but anywho, like i like the fact that he's like grenthol's coming back as punisher in in this uh, in this new series but i also like I don't know, like, it, it feels like they're, tr- like, and I don't mind them trying to figure it out, and I'm, I would much rather have them fire everybody and start the table, like, you know, set the table over again than give us something that's
2: lesser, right?
1: Yeah. Something that or, we're Or gonna... try to
2: just fix it and uh-huh. keep what they already have, which we've seen a lot of lately and just mm-hmm. doesn't really work. Like, you you've got some you've got a lot of runway here like the only thing you have is that people are expecting charlie cox back like yep. as long as that's still in play like you still have a lot of runway to get this thing off the ground like you're not necessarily committed to next summer like you're not necessarily committed to Whatever ungodly amount of episodes they decided on, don't get me wrong, I can appreciate that it's more than six or eight, because you definitely need more than six or eight, but it was like 30 episodes or 24 episodes or something, like that's a lot. (laughs) 18 episodes, supposedly 18, 18,
0: yeah, so when you have that many episodes, like.
2: It's a lot for a character we're already pretty familiar with.
0: <laughs> exactly, so, and I just hope it's not as
2: stick in the mud as the original Netflix series felt sometimes. Like, yeah. I, I feel it's very like, dour. Like, there's not yeah. any of the swashbuckling kind of nature that that Daredevil uh, can lean into. I, I I feel like the the Netflix series very much tried to and. and I get why, but, like, you already had Jessica Jones, uh, like, adapting that dark, dark stuff that Mm -hmm. uh, Bendis, that's where that character started, in the dark there. Yeah. Daredevil didn't start like that. Frank Miller, like, leaned heavy into that and made Daredevil, like, Marvel's Batman, basically. Um, And that's fine. Like... It's great that all that's there, but there's no lightheartedness to it, like almost at all. No, um, there's and, really
1: not.
2: You know, the only one that was t- that tried to be kind of lighthearted was um, Iron Fist, and it it just was not good well, at all.
0: Yeah, well, from from top to bottom, from the moment that. You, you did not cast you did not cast an uh like an asian an Asian American man um as iron fist it became very troubling like when you took the Danny Rand version of Iron Man it became <laughs> like and you didn't even do like half like you didn't do a biracial man and you just like casted a white 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 dude it became well, a very troubling process, right?
2: Well I think the problem so I, I'm it's hard for me to talk about it because I'm a white dude And so it sounds uh-huh. very defensive But I, I said this from day one Because that was the big argument Like why yeah. do you stay with this Like c- just completely whitewashed casting You know uh, My response to that was always One of the things about that character Is the fact that he Is a a white privileged person co-opting like somebody another culture and the good stories kind of lean a little bit into that and the show net was never really willing to tackle that and that's to me that's the bigger problem like yes if you're not going to tackle that specific aspect of this character then you don't need to cast a white dude, <laughs> like because no. that's the thing about the character is that he's a rich, privileged white guy who, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's the the Tom Cruise in that movie. Uh, you know, the white guy does it better than the Asians. Um, yeah. The, the uh, la- oh, uh,
0: the Last Samurai. The Last. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Samurai. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> You know And and you, there's just no No addressing that Like nobody is ever like You know this doesn't Belong to you man <laughs> Like <laughs>
1: it,
2: And That's a problem when you don't Address that like Then yes you cast Appropriately For the culture you don't cast A white dude if you're going to cast the white dude, you have to address those things. You bring in a a writing team who can purposefully address those things. And that, that to me, is where the show ultimately was just an absolute letdown, you know. Uh, I do think season two is better than, wait, no, was it season... Did it get two seasons or did it only get one?
1: Um, you know what? There's, I can't remember our I, I
2: couldn't cuz the okay. second season is mostly has a lot of uh or was it the second season of Luke Cage? One one of them has them two basically teaming up the whole time and I really really enjoyed that. And I'm like, "Oh, man, we never got enough of that." So,
1: yeah,
0: like so I didn't Okay, so I watched the first two episodes of, I never watched the whole series because I watched the first two episodes of Iron Fist and I was like, he can't get into the fucking building. Fuck this, I'm done with this.
1: Why are we spending um, yeah, two yeah,
0: episodes yeah. with him trying to get into the fucking <laughs> building? Fuck this. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm i like, why are we like, it, it just brought into question a lot of things because at the time I was heavily into the Spider-Man cartoon. And their version of Danny and... Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, because it's not... He's not uh, teaming up with Luke Cage. He's teaming up with Power Man. And they're like best friends and they go back and forth and they have this kind of like chemistry that's kind of great when you watch the Spider-Man TV series um, that turns into it's the very Love yin Avengers. and yang. You
2: know? Yes.
0: Yes, not to put a finer point on it. Exactly. It's very kind of... It's like Lethal Weapon Junior, and I know that sounds bad and terrible because you know of all the stuff, but it's the only thing I can really think of that like gives you an idea of like the kind of back and forth that you can like the that, that was there. And I just feel like part of what I and this is, I guess, a style thing that I'm not a big fan of is is that too much dour, too much seriousness. And not enough brevity and, and humor and lightness, it just brings everything down. Like like we were just talking about Fincher. Like Fincher, for all his darkness and 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 like anti humanity, man, there are moments in his movies that are fucking laugh out loud funny. In every one of his movies, there's moments that are funny that have humor that lighten the mood. There's a brevity to it. These I these Netflix series, like none of them had it. Like I understand Punisher. Because Punisher, you're dealing with a like I love the Punisher, but for all intents and purposes, he's a fucking stick in the mud. Why? He has every reason to be that. Because yeah. he's kind of psychotic. He lost his entire family. Um, he all he deals with day in and day out are the the dreads of society. Not even like, we're not even like, we're not even talking like spider-man dreads of society we're talking lower than that we are talking like the actual grime of the city right so i understand i understand that anything else could be taken as like 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 my fate like i know this sounds weird but my favorite punisher thing like other than the Dolph lundgren thing which is not even really punisher um but my favorite my favorite punisher is ray wins uh um, not ray winston um yeah, Warzone because it's so ridiculous and so kind of archly funny, but super dark. Um, and I don't know, like I I love John Brenthal. Like I love his Punisher because his Punisher is, for a certain kind of Punisher, he is kind of
2: accurate, right? Like he's he's the Garth. Well, Ennis he Punisher. feels yeah. I was about to say he's the Garth Ennis Punisher, which is <laughs> my really is. favorite Punisher. Like um and 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 this is punisher did have some of that like dark gallows humor to it but it was yes. very very like self serious at times so like yeah I, I really really appreciated that punisher series it, it was um it, like like i said top to bottom easily my favorite thing that that from the the netflix like i liked yes. everything about that show um so i, I I hope they can do that character some justice, a little justice. I'm more excited for the idea of Daredevil not being so damn like serious. Um Yeah. Like and just being Charlie, fun.
0: Well and plus like Charlie's like Charlie Cox, like as we saw on She Hulk. Yeah, she's a charming motherfucker. Like he yeah. can Like, he can be as charming as anybody. And that's the thing I feel like every Daredevil iteration has not gotten is the fact that it's like we're trading in stereotypes. Because I always feel, I feel like, oh, he has a disability. He can't be, he can't be fun. He can't be charming. He has to be serious Like, even Ben Affleck's, like, (laughs) don't want to talk about Ben Affleck's Daredevil. (sighs) but we have to because it's like, there's no charm there. He's like a brick wall. Like everybody's like a brick wall. Like they tried to force Charlie Charlie Cox into that in in the Stephen Knight versions of Daredevil, which like, come on, like ha- let him have a little fun. Not like, let him smile, let him go. Like you said, like the swashbuckling aspect the whole like Douglas Fairbanks or Errol Flynn is gone. And that's kind of what I loved about uh, Daredevil when I read him. Like, I wasn't a big fan of the Frank Miller, even when I was a kid, because it was just
1: too—it
2: was too much, right? It was too much, like Taxi Driver. Also, that motherfucker was obsessed with ninjas, man. Like, I I, like he really was. They're cool, but like, it it was like talking to an eight-year-old. Like, yeah. Okay, man. I know you like ninjas. Like, why the fuck are ninjas and <laughs> everything? Like, could you just chill out with the ninja stuff? Like, I, I, I just, you know, I, <laughs> I, I never really got it. And, and you, that's going back to the Netflix series. One of the biggest things I, I will never like forget this is watching, like, as he and Electra are supposed to take on the, the hand like this massive amount of ninjas and i think it's in season 2 when the punisher comes in and yes. and there's like there's like 15 ninjas and i'm like okay i that is a lot of ninjas for one dude to take on but like this is the hand it's supposed to be like hundreds of people yes like in I, I- You couldn't hire some extras? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got some black pajamas and can run up the stairs? There's more fucking ninjas in the Foot Clan that storm April's apartment than there are on that rooftop when he and Elektra are fighting them. (laughs)
1: I'll
0: counter this. There's more ninjas in fucking American Ninja. A canon movie, yeah. A canon done on the cheap in the Philippines movie than there are in the Daredevil uh, in the Daredevil seasons.
2: Um, but yeah, the, the a- Frank Miller Dare, Dare Daredevil stuff is it's fine, but it it is just Frank Miller being Frank Miller. Like if you get into like some of the more recent stuff. Like especially Mark Wade stuff with Chris Samney uh-huh. like it it has That old school Swashbuckling feel um, And I I really just want Something that's fun Like a la She-Hulk um, You know own, own, uh, Of course I wanted to look a little bit better I, I loved She-Hulk but Yeah the, it it Needed some more time in the oven For sure <laughs>
1: Yeah, but at the
0: same time, it's not like like between like if you're gonna ask me am I gonna watch anything from the Netflix era with the exception of maybe Punisher um or She-Hulk? I'm gonna watch She-Hulk. I really am because it's such a trudge to get through those things. Like, how do you make how do you make Foggy an, an interesting character? Like how do you make anything that happens, like, how do you make, how do you make Elektra a non-fascinating character? And somebody that you don't, like, that you bring in maybe once or twice in the sh- in the show season that you're trying to do the Elektra storyline, right? Like, I just, I don't know, man, it's all wrong decisions. It's all wrong decisions to just keep you watching. That's all it is. It's like like I feel like those those Netflix shows are literally designed to be a giant block of things that you'll forget in 20 minutes or er, like 20 minutes after you finish the entire season. Like yeah. and that's terrible. And I know there's a lot of fans for it and they're the, probably the same fans that love the, the Snyderverse because it literally like it literally feels like they're tr- they're more inspired by Zack Snyder's 300 or Zack Snyder's Batman than they are from anything in Marvel.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. Like, though there are room there is room and space for that, right? Like I wish that like they it, it it feels like there's only there's like it's like all of these shows are 60%, right? And I just needed an extra 40%. Like with Luke Cage, I really needed it to be set like I really needed it to be like it kind of starts off as this kind of cool black exploitation superhero thing, like it was with like more more about like you know with more references to trouble man or um, or shaft than it was like you know Luke Cage proper but then it turns into this middle ground where no one's happy because it's neither neither of those things it's kind of like this nebulous weird thing that has no style no nothing and you're wasting both Mike Coulter who i feel got Who had a disservice done to him by being Luke Cage and Mahershala Ali? Who? How do you get two of the most magnetic performers and it flat? Yeah,
2: I mean, there's some good stuff there, but yeah, overall, it's not it's not great.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be like anti Netflix TV show Marvel stuff because. For a while, it was the only thing that we had and it it moved like it was it was good, like it was good, but it's it's not great and it's not long lasting. It's like everything that that Netflix does, it's disposable. And that's my biggest problem with Netflix is that it's disposable, like for everything that Apple is, I will say this much. Apple. Their stuff is not is not disposable, like. I mean, we're gonna have a little bit of a conversation about something that's truly not disposable. But I mean, like, think about it. Like, Ted Lasso, not disposable. Um, like uh, the what's the um, what's the show that we both liked with uh, Jason um, Brett Goldstein, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, shrinking. Oh, yeah, shrinking. Yeah, shrinking. Not disposable, right? Like. They make non-disposable things, like they make stuff that you go, oh yeah, like I like this, I like this a lot. Like I want this on, I want like my always my key, my key to anything is, do I want to own it on physical media in case it disappears? And I will tell you, I want the entirety of Ted Lasso on Blu-ray or 4K. Like I will pay, I would pay a hundred bucks for that, like a Blu-ray box, a uh, 4K box that came out, and I'm like, own, oh, oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna own it. Because I don't yep. know if it's gonna be around in ten years and I wanna be able to revisit it. Like, you know, like all of my favorite TV shows I have on I have a box set of, right? Um same with shrinking. By like shrinking, I would totally buy like individual seasons or wait for the box set if I knew it was gonna exist. Netflix. I mean, no, not really. There's nothing in Netflix except for the Fincher stuff, like that I would want. Like yeah. nothing. Like, and that's and that just for me ultimately that's that's me and my stuff but i'm very very interested in what's going to happen now that they've they've gone through and they go like yeah we're resetting the table we're we're going to redo this we're going to do this in the way that we want to um which makes me intrigued by this Not gonna say it's gonna work, we don't know, because they still got a lot of time to do things, right? Like they, like, you know, if they're scrapping everything, I mean, Jesus, if they're scrapping everything, that's like, you know, that literally is 2025, right? Because it's 18 episodes, whatever. Um, But I'd much rather have them do that than a a subpar product to which, I mean, we've had that conversation before, right? Like, Like Disney has a Marvel problem, And it's because it's spread too thin. Like we both have, we both have said this. That there's just not enough there. If that makes sense. Like there's just, or like there's not enough talent, and there's not enough work being done with those individual pools to make it special. Like it's like they just didn't get it across the line. And to be perfectly honest, like them doing this is the first sign that they understand that. Which is great to me that's great Right like if you're trying to make Collective and meaningful Steps like Like we're gonna get into I mean would be now the good time since we're Talking about uh we're talking About Disney and Marvel to talk about Loki
2: Um Yeah uh I need to rewatch the No I need to rewatch the latest episode But I guess spoilers for Loki Boy does it feel like a... A reset button? <laughs>
0: yeah. Real hard reset button, right? Like... Like, that ending is something else. Like, I'm not gonna... Like, I, like, I wow. Like, that was...
1: Like, I mean, is there wow. any
2: chance that they're jettison... They're gonna jettison Kang altogether? I think so. I think there's a strong possibility that
0: that's what's happened. Because... Okay, so, like, behind the scenes... Um there's a movie that Jonathan Majors is Are, in that. I,
2: oh, I should good. say Jonathan Majors, not yeah.
0: Kang. <laughs> okay. But Jonathan Majors. Like, so there's a movie yes. that so like like it was announced amongst all these things of delays and stuff that, that Disney Fox announced. One of the things that they that was noted was that the schedule had removed magazine dreams. Um, which is his movie that supposedly was supposed to be like an Oscar. War- like friend of the show Scott Phillips. Um, me and him have had talks about this movie, I, and he said like this is something that will get him an Oscar nomination. Though now with the context of everything that's happened recently with him, he's like this literally is like the the movie that becomes the reality of the 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 actor's life and i was like what he goes yeah he's like if they release it now like it could be the death coffin for him so they've taken it off the schedule right like they like fox paid a fortune for this movie I think it was like 10 to 25 million dollars i can't remember what but they paid a lot of money for this movie because they were in the jonathan majors business right because disney was they've taken it off the schedule now which makes me feel like Like, they're going to shelve it. They're going to take a loss on it. And maybe they'll release it in a couple of years um, after the recovery of Jonathan Major's career. But I feel like this is like, I don't know, man. Like, they kept really quiet about the Loki stuff. And now with that ending, it's like, I mean, like, even my wife was like, are they going to fucking kill everybody? And I'm like, no, they're resetting it. And then it was just kind of like, oh, shit, are they resetting it because of Major's? And they they already got ahead of it. um, Yeah. Like, it's very weird, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like a weird thing to see happen. Um, yeah. Like, because, like, it ends in a very big cliffhanger way, right? Like, this is the cliffhanger. Like, this is the mid-season cliffhanger. Like, if they had taken two weeks off or, like, a month off and then showed us the next four, I would understand, right? Um, but they're not. It's kind of, like wow, like, is it getting reset? Are they gonna do that? Do they have somebody already cast and we just don't know it? Um, it's a lot of questions. Um, I mean, the weirdest part about this is, like, and we haven't had a chance to talk because the, the last two episodes have been Jonathan Major-centric, but the thing is, is that he is so fucking good in these two episodes. And yeah. it's like, I know what's happening. I know what like is going to probably happen, but man, like like I don't know like I cannot describe like it's weird to watch this unfold because it's like you know that they're probably going to get rid of him, but then you know you watch this performance, and it's like it's not like Johnny Depp where it's a lot of like finger waving in front of the hands, and so it's like it's not like a performance, and then it's like you can excuse like. Get the fuck rid of him, please. Get rid of him. Um, it's like it's genuinely good work. It's elevated and it's elevating everybody else. And to which it's like, oh shit, they're gonna get rid of this guy. I mean, regardless of it, it's this season, but it's they're gonna probably get rid of this guy. And this guy is probably like the like like Marvel is always known for their casting, right? Like this casting, regardless of. Like, if you take away the troubling nature of him and you look at this casting, this was a this was like the biggest bit of brilliant piece of casting that you could possibly do, because it literally solves the complaint of like the uninteresting bad guy. Right. Right. Like, like everything that he's done on the show has been like, it's all been relegated to this. And then like Ant-Man, Quantumania. I mean, I don't know. But even in him in that, like him playing basically Darth Vader. An Emperor Palpatine in that he conforms to that and he does that well, right? I don't know, man. It's a very it's a very weird situation that we have on our hands because I think you're right. They're gonna res- they're gonna reset it and we might have a completely different person playing Kane than the person that was was cast. And is that
2: a good thing, like quality wise?
0: Can you get I mean there I guess
2: it depends countries? on who it is. Like Yeah. Uh, the uh I forget the actress's name but Ravona like yeah. if if somehow there's this hard reset and she becomes King the Conqueror like that's interesting and I think she's great. So okay. Um but I I mean I don't know. I guess we'll find out next week what they're going to do. Um Yeah. I think it's interesting that the critics got the first four episodes as screeners. So yeah. now we're kind of all at the same point. I also think it's really interesting that most of the early buzz was like, uh, yeah, Marvel has completely lost their way. Meanwhile, I'm watching the show week to week, going like, What do you like this isn't bad. Like I, I don't know what no. y'all are talking about. It's good, like, it's well-acted, it's interesting Yeah, there's there's a little too much of the, like, mumbo-jumbo, like, uh, explainy whatever bullshit they have to do um, to get to the plot But, like, I, I don't care about that Like, I'm having fun watching Mobius and Loki, like, just pick at each other And... You know give these like grand speeches or or just eat pie or I'm like I don't know I'm having fun Um, yeah and and the only anxiety I have is the Jonathan majors of it all like what what are we going to do Um, because like in in like Marvel has seemed to have wanted to just wait because the trial is in November right yeah they seem to have just wanted to bide their time and see what happens um but you know maybe we're wrong maybe they were just like well we're gonna let the show speak for it and everybody will know you know what what we think about the situation and what we're gonna do about it uh when You know they see the the final product, but I I I could be completely wrong about that too. So um, I was like, it's like okay, you you end your mid season finale basically just being like, oh well, yeah, the 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 loom exploded and uh, all of time is just (laughs) like it is is a disaster. yeah. Yeah, like like what? That's a bold move. Like
0: there's no like. It's weird because it's like there's no um how can I put it, um th- there's no warning about that. It just happens. And this is something that happens in a Marvel TV series at the end of the season, not at the beginning or like Sorry. not in the middle of the season. And if you think about the time like if we look at the timeline, not the not the loki timeline but uh, the loki timelines but if we look at the timelines it probably will match up between the trouble with jonathan majors and the and the and the production and how they probably shifted it so that they could get this in there so that they could do it so that they could at the end of it either revert back or Continue on with whatever they 're planning on doing with this reset,
1: um
0: because it almost feels like it 's too calculated like do you know what I mean um, and i 'm not sure if like you know like you said like i 'm not a hundred percent sure if Jonathan Majors is going to make it out of Loki with his with his job as Kang at the end of it like it 's a very strong possibility because of the way that this movie is. <sighs> The way that this or the way that this TV series has been set up and everything that I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not hundred percent sure if if he's gonna make it. Like like at the end of the day, right? Like it's just it's too much. Like there might be it's weird to think about this right now, but like there is quite a bit of turmoil in in the world of in the world of Marvel, right? Because not only the actor strike, but you're also dealing with Jonathan Major. Sure your big villain it would be like if if josh brolin got into super trouble during everything that like during the first like the what would it be like during literally during guardians of the galaxy like 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 where you're like where you're introducing the character and it becomes an issue right fuck like what do you do like um it puts everything in turmoil. I mean, I feel like that's also the reason why we keep on hearing these things about shifting timelines, like our shifting release dates. Um, They're really trying to do the hold and wait, but also they have to make some decisions. So like having that kind of cagey, like let's go ahead and have some exit strategies ready so that we can pivot very quickly in case we need to. I it, It's the kind of weird like storytelling that doesn't, That for this kind of thing, Loki, it's good. But for anything else outside of Loki, because of the way that Loki is set up, it's very much like, like, I'm loving it because of the whole like, like you said, like it's the Mobius, uh, Morbius, and and Loki, and it's just like it knows that it's weird, and it's kind of like on the frit, like it's the weirdest weird stuff from Doctor Who, right? Like the weirdest weird stuff from Doctor Who is where Loki lives. Like it's like, like the TV series lives in that kind of in that kind of fun area. So you can do this kind of stuff. But if you're talking like like if it was the Marvels, we'd have like really big issues with this because there's there would be no consistency. Where like Loki is all about the inconsistency. At least for me, I don't know. Am I am I wrong in that?
2: No, I think you're pretty spot on. Okay.
0: Um, wow. but it's kind of like, I love the, the cyclical nature of it and how it kind of like eats, like, it's like, it's Earl Burroughs, right? It's eating, it's a snake eating its own tail. Like the whole thing that happened in this last episode where Earl Burroughs meets Victor Timely and Victor Timely meets Earl Burroughs, but each one has informed on each other, their writing of the same book. Right. Which is, yeah. For some people, that's headache-inducing, right? For me, because of the Douglas Adams of it all, it makes me laugh and giggle a little bit that they're actually playing with this kind of stuff. Or, like, the whole thing of Loki... Like, I mean, you called it Loki killed himself or, like, you know, uh, erased himself in the timeline because that's what had to happen, right? It's a flat circle. It's a loop. Um, It's kind of... It's brilliant. Like... It's brilliant, but in a way that doesn't make any sense, but makes logical... Like, doesn't make any logical sense. But in the way that things work in bendable universes, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So, um, what do you think is holding for the future of this show? Like, now that we're on the back half of this show... What is, what, what do you feel is like going to be the plan or what do you think is going to
2: happen? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I really don't. I I thought I knew where they were going before this. Um, I thought we were gonna bear witness to the whole, like, you know, time as a flat circle, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he even says it in the episodes, like, the snake is eating its tail, like, You have the book that I wrote, and I wrote the book based off of things that you discovered, created, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's what OB's talking about. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're going to see this season. And then all of time explodes at the end of the episode. And I'm like, what? I I have no idea where we're going now. Like, uh, we saw who we thought was going to be. The new big bad basically unravel in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it just it ends with Loki, you know, staring at the big white void, basically. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know because there's so many things they could do. I think there's a chance like we said that this is a hard just reset button but I also think there's a very good chance uh a probably better than good chance that this is just this was always the plan and you know it's gonna everything's it's gonna turn into like uh maybe loki survives or maybe uh loki and uh what's her name survive since they're kind of both been pruned from the timeline and now they have to like put the team back together so they're like jumping to all these different you know times to like get mobius back and then get uh whoever you know to join their team to to try to reset the tva or you know I, i don't know there's so many different Things You could run with here that I, I truly do not have Any damn clue Where they're going um, And I, honestly I don't really Hope for one way or the other um, what, what, what I hoped for Was that we would Find out that it was a giant Misunderstanding Jonathan Majors wasn't the asshole That maybe he Really is uh, Or allegedly is And you know we could kind of get this this train back on the track and you know chugging along as scheduled but you know we won't know that until november and marvel may have already made its decision so yeah you know, we might yeah. find out next week
0: no we might we might and i feel like getting the team back together might be the way that they do it but Not like, and then not dealing with the Victor Timely Kang thing of it all because you've erased it. And so you don't have to worry about it and let that be another movie or TV show's problem. Which I know sounds terrible, but at the same time, like you said, like November is still a long time. Like it's not a long time away, but it is a long time away. And Loki will be over by the time the court, like refining his trial happens. Yeah. So with that, leaving it alone and leaving it for another day might be the best thing to do, especially because if you, it like if you're if you're wanting this, if you're wanting to stay with consistency and not have to do the whole Terrence Howard um, thing again, then this is the way to go. Like, it's just to hold and wait, right? Because you have the luxury of it because you have an actor strike right now. Um, you know you don't have to like solve it right at this point. You can sit and wait, but as you were releasing something like this, like Loki, this kind of gives you the 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 in or the out right like so that makes sense. It also makes sense why they released it now like if that's the case, like if we're seeing exactly what their plan is and their like ability to make a fork in the road and go well this is the this is the inflection point this is the canon event so to speak right where we go right up to the to the to the decision of we keep them we get rid of them or even like we recast them like whatever it is they are allowed to do that now if this is the case yeah which i know that sounds terrible that we're being very contrite and very glib about a guy's career But I'm really not. I'm not trying to be glib about it. I'm literally just trying to to be like, like this is something that could happen, right? And this is the realities of the situation when you're dealing with things that cost upwards of anywhere from a quarter billion to half a billion dollars. And yes, guys, like something like, and like something like Secret Wars and Kings, like you know, um, and the Avengers movies are going to cost like a half a billion to $600 million. Like it's just the way that it works with salaries and all the people that they're going to be having in there. Uh Yeah. It's going to be a big venture and they want to guarantee like with that kind of money, you want to guarantee that there is no, that it's like the end, it's like Endgame, game, right? Where it's just people going in droves to see this fucking thing to guarantee success. And yeah. you know, this is the way that you do it. This is the way that you have to co- navigate course, making tough decisions. Um, but I really liking Loki. At the end of the day, like I, am having a lot of fun with this show, and they got me. Like this, like the ending, really genuinely, like for the first time in a long time, has like got me. Like, what? Oh shit! Like I'm a, I'm a tether without a. Like I'm a, I'm a person without a tether now. Like I can usually kind of figure out what they're gonna do and i'm like they kind of left me like they cut the umbilical so to speak and so like i like this kind of feeling like that i don't know what's going to happen next week and i'm
1: genuinely looking forward to it
2: yeah i agree like i'm looking forward to what they do and you know excited for the possibilities but also a little you know on edge about what it could mean for you know what we were expecting so
0: no absolutely absolutely um it it, and it's def it's definitely um it's definitely going to be uh it's definitely going to be something that we're
1: gonna kind of have
0: to wait and see right
1: yep so
2: so absolutely okay well what else have you been watching anything
1: um yeah actually um
0: I I got to see uh, Scorsese's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh yeah, Flower Killers Moon. of
2: the Flower Moon. Yes. Uh, is it
1: <laughs> Is it good? Yes. Okay. is it gr- is it great?
0: <laughs> um I'm still trying to figure that out. Like I don't, like, I'm not one of these people that makes, like, you know, especially with a movie as cagey as this one is, like, I'm not one to make real kind of uh, pejorative statements on on something until I've seen it a couple of times. I've had it literally rest in my belly for a while. I can tell you this. Man. The whole thing of the fear of the three and a half hour runtime. do not be scared of it. Because if you see it in the theater, you're in the hands of a master. Like, two masters. Thelma Shoemaker, the um, the editor, uh, Scorsese's editor for the last fifty-five years, uh, and Martin Scorsese, who knows how to edit a film. So, like this three and a half hour runtime does not feel like three and a half hours. It actually feels it's very much like it's the way that, like the best way I can describe it is the way that Oppenheimer feels like it's not a three and a half hour movie, like it or like a three yes. hour movie. It feels like the editing is like. Like just to give you an example, I feel like the editing race this year is going to be between Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon because they are the quickest three-hour movies that I've ever experienced. Like, like I never once looked at my watch, which is I know something that seems kind of crass, but at the same time, you know, I've been in three-hour like you, you, we both have been in three-hour movies where we're fucking looking at our watch, like, damn, what the hell's going on here? Why is it three hours? Yeah. Um But it's it's not like a movie that you go and go, I I love this fucking movie. It's a powerful movie. It's a lot of it's a lot of the kind of thing that you expect from Scorsese, which means that you're going to see a lot of behavior that that. Is not condonable. But people are going to see the film like the thing that I find very interesting is the whole thing of like complicit complicity or complicit like the complicit nature of film and how certain people feel like because Scorsese is showing what these white men did that he's agreeing with them just like with like you know Wolf of Wall Street right like he's showing the power and the glory of these people which I don't think is the truth I actually feel like Scorsese is showing what Like, it's showing an honest portrait of men that feel that they are entitled to anything, including their own kinds' fortunes. Because it's not just, it's not just, like, a bunch of white dudes killing a bunch of uh, indigenous people. But it's also just white dudes getting, like, rich white people getting anybody and everybody to do their bidding and what that means and the violence that's perpetrated. And it's, it's not an easy film to watch. It really isn't. Um, But it's a powerful one and it's a fascinating one. Um, De Niro, like it's, it's weird to say that De Niro never gets like truly like, he doesn't get credit anymore for being the Titan he is. And I feel like here he's not going to get the the kind of credit that he deserves. Because he's truly, truly, truly a fascinating, like, it's a fascinating 3D portrait of a of a terrible human being. Like, and that's literally what it is. It's just like, it's a complex, very subtle portrait. Not really subtle, but their subtlety in the way that you see complexities there. It's like, it's everything that you expect from a Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro collaboration. Um, DiCaprio's good. He's good. I don't know if he's great. Like, it's, it's really weird because it's like, essentially, like, if you want to know, like, the clear, linear version of this, it's literally about a bunch of white men marrying indigenous women and killing them. And the Leo story is how he slowly is murdering his indigenous woman or wife. As much as he loves her, he is still, like, he is both complicit and incomplicit in the the, the attempted murder of his wife. And it's not like a... It's like a Munchausen syndrome by proxy killing. So he's, like, sl- like he's slowly poisoning her. Like so many of these people that you watch in the movie. Poison it's very much like a gangster film set in the West and, but it's done with this like anxiety inducing tension that like, I don't know whether or not it's a good thing to watch it on a TV because you could turn it off. Right. Like I couldn't escape. So like it, it, it created this, like it created this like sense of urgency in the film that pushed it forward, but not in the way that you wanted it to push. Like you wanted to see something like you, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. That's literally what it is, but it's directed by the preeminent American English language filmmaker, right? And so take that as you will. And so like, I'm still processing it because it's a lot of shit to take in in a three and a half hour movie that I didn't even like, I'm probably not even touching the surface. So yeah, it's it's well worth your time in the theater if you can get around to it, um, but will you like it? I cannot guarantee that. I mean, I can't even guarantee that I fully like it. I just know that yeah. it was something powerful and it was something, it's like Oppenheimer, right? Like you see it once you go, wow, that is a staggering piece of work. Do I want to see it again? I don't think so. Will it be the same on home video? No, absolutely not. Because I wasn't stuck in a theater in an IMAX screen being barraged yes. by image and sound. Um, you know, and like that, that's like, like, isn't that the best case for cinema, right? Like where it's like, this is why you go to the cinema. cinema. Not to like induce panic attacks, but to be to be taken someplace and pushed somewhere with storytelling. Like, that's, that's the ultimate goal. That's the difference between watching something in the movie theater and then watching something on TV that you can turn off. I can't turn off. I paid 20 bucks for Oppenheimer. I can't turn it off. Well, I can if I watch it on Apple. I can if I watch it on a 4K. But I can't escape it if I'm in the theater. And that's kind of like the way that I, I think Killers of the Farboon is like played for me, is that I'm appreciative of the theatrical experience and what Scorsese has done for us but everything else I'm going to have to watch it I'm going to have to watch it a couple of times it's not like it's not like Nolan where it's very cut and dry it's a great movie I probably don't they're not going to need to see it again if that makes sense
2: yeah yeah um I was it was the only probably since everything got pushed only other film this year I was like I'm kind of intrigued by but also <clears throat> I mean, not to be like bitter, but like I don't know. Like the more Scorsese like talks about things, the more I'm just like, man. Like I get it, but just why do you gotta like just piss in other people's cornflakes, dude? Like, true. No, you're right. You're right. Like I don't. I don't blame the studios, not people that like. Exactly. Those kind of like, you know, it 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 just it, it was really fr- it's really frustrating reading all those comments. Like, you know, I'm I'm multifaceted, man. Like, I really fucking love my superhero movies. Really, really love them. But also, like, Donnie Darko is one of my favorite films of all time. Like. The Brothers Bloom is one of my favorite films of all time. Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite, is my favorite film of all time. Like, I I, I have a whole shelf of Martin Scorsese films. Like, I like a lot of his stuff. And it, it's just like, the way he talks about it, it, it's just so, like, oh, these things can't coexist. And I'm yeah they can the the problem is that it's the studio system is the problem it it's the same thing that happened with westerns you know every fucking movie was a damn western you know like cuz that's what made money and you know that that's what they had to pump out and that's you know until people are just like yeah we're done with that you know and then yeah. in the the 80s 80s and early 90s. Every fucking thing we saw was an action movie, action mm-hmm. comedies. Man, that's that's like all we watched. And yep. then you know we were done with that. You know, and now it are are like those 80s comedy movies. Period. You know the mid comedy. They just they don't exist anymore. And it and it's because the studio like you just get shoved so much shit and then you get tired of it. And then they stop making money and, you know, and I'm sure superhero movies will get that way without Martin Scorsese's help. Um, but like, I don't Not for nothing, man. Like if you really want to do something about it, like start putting your money where your mouth is, I guess. I I don't, I don't know. Couldn't, couldn't you guys form your own? I, I mean, United artists was, that's like what, that came from you know yeah. was artists being tired of like run ragged by a bullshit studio system like uh, you know i i just i i don't know it it really really frustrates me and i know he's just a grumpy old man and that's fine but like he's a grumpy old man with a big platform you know fucking steven spielberg is not out there going like i'm really sick of these Damn superhero movies Like We gotta do something else Like It's not real cinema It's You know But Hell Scorsese Might not think Spielberg's real cinema So (laughs) What the fuck do I know (laughs) So
0: (laughs) That's pretty great Um No I mean Like Look Um I feel like I feel like Like There's There's room for everything Right Like like that's the thing—is that like, don't. You're right. Don't piss in other people's like cornflakes just because you don't like cornflakes, right?
2: Like, it's not going to get them to go see your movie. <laughs> like, no. It, it the guys that are going to see the shit that they're going to see, you shutting down their amusement park is not going to get them to come to your museum it's fucking no. not <laughs> like they're, That's actually they the wanted to go of it. to, to <laughs> an amusement park and you're like but look at this history and this art and all of this shit. if they wanted that they would be at the fucking museum to begin with like it's not going to help it's just going to piss them off so like you have to work in the system like our work on changing the system and that i agree with you know i i am i'm not for the death of superhero movies but i am all for this current like oh fuck like this doesn't work and maybe we need to like scale this down a little bit and like not do so fucking much you know yes that i'm for you know it's we we still get a lot of westerns every year but we don't like every fucking major studio release is in a western and every once in a while there's a western that comes along and you go oh yeah this genre is really fucking good sometimes you know every once in a while a comedy comes along and you go oh yeah this is really really good Sometimes, but too much of it is just shit. So, yep. like, you know, and, and not for nothing, but like a lot of fucking dramas aren't that good anyway. <laughs> like, no, really you know, <laughs> there's there's a large swath of fucking dramatic films that that just. I mean, n- not to be that guy, but can absolutely be lost to time. <laughs> like it's just they weren't that good, man. <laughs> so, no. so yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm two minds about it. Like I, I want at one point in time I would have seen anything Scorsese did. Like I I loved uh, so much of his stuff, and now I'm just like I just you know, like. Even fucking Nolan made three Batman movies, man. Like, like what true. do you want? <laughs> okay. This is true.
0: Um, And, like, like, to me, it's like... You're right. Like, you can't talk shit about something. Like, you can't talk shit about something and expect the people that are fans of that to come back and... Like, the people that are, like the people that are super fans of that, that have been wanting this, that love this, you can't shit on that and then expect them to go, oh yeah, you know what? He's talking shit about that. I should actually, I should actually go. It's like, okay, to make an analogy, to make it very simple for everybody, it's like like the guy who friend up the girl and she decides to date somebody else and you get, like that person gets mad And starts talking shit about that guy. It's not going to make her fall less in love with that dude. Even though he's a toxic piece of shit. Yeah, It's just going to make her go. Oh you know what. I don't need to see. I don't need to hear your bullshit. And lock him out. Like that's essentially what Martin Scorsese is doing. Even though. Like he may be the greatest. Like he may be the. Like you know he's arguably uh, like the best American filmmaker um, working right now. Like that's, I'd say arguably, and I say American, because there are very many other people right now, I feel, that are working on a level that's on his level, or even maybe even greater because of the fact that they're taking risks and they're doing things that are different than him. Like, let's just not get started on on that. But what I will say is, is that, yeah, no. I mean, I lo- okay. I love Scorsese. I mean, he is like one of my favorite filmmakers. He's not my favorite filmmaker, but like I love, I love his films. Is it annoying that he's on this this podium? Yes, it is a little annoying that he's on this podium and he's like very much so. But he's very much so leaning into it. But how much is that of that is? The media asking him that question, expecting the response. Yeah. And them constantly posting this bullshit. Like, I mean, to him, he probably says, oh, you know, like, I can only imagine that when he's asked this. He's like, oh, well, you know, it's just not me. It's like a roller coaster. Up and down, up and down. I don't like it. He talks so fast. But now with the way that, you know, people record things and they type everything out perfectly, um, it could come off like he's being defensive about it because we're constantly seeing this bullshit out there. I don't know. What I do know is is that um Kills of the fall Moon is definitely worth everybody's time. Um I mean, you know, uh just as much as like if you want to make like if you choose to go like here's the thing. I look at it this way. If you choose to go see the Scorsese joint, great, good for you. If you choose to go see the Taylor Swift joint, Good for you. I'm not going to be mad at somebody going to see the Taylor Swift's Arrows tour in
2: concert. I won't be, I mad about, be mad about it, but please, I don't want to fucking hear about it. I'm so fucking tired of hearing <laughs> about Taylor Swift. I'm so <laughs> fucking tired of hearing about Taylor <sighs> Swift. Just Yeah, she's,
0: she's, turning a, uh, she's turning a likable team into an unlikable team. How, how hard is that to do? Um, it's the Taylor
2: of and, right? and shout out to fucking Al Michaels, who, when asked why he
1: <laughs> didn't
2: comment on it, he's like, well, I don't work for TMZ. I'm here to talk about football. So, yep. or whatever it was he said. Yeah. I, like, thank you, man. Thank you for not fucking talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And I just don't like <laughs> It's killing my interest in football. And I I posted something on Facebook and people got so sideways with me, man. Like people, I didn't even think were like, if it had been my like teenage nieces, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, I, it was, Clearly a joke And I'm just being a grumpy old man And I said uh, Shout out to Taylor Swift For ruining football and movie theaters For me And it was just a a several Of like how did she ruin those things And I'm like fucking calm down Man Like, (laughs) I'm not serious But I mean I'm close to serious Because I'm just fucking tired Of hearing about her (laughs) <laughs> and now she's a billionaire And that's like every news feed it's Like Taylor Swift reaches billionaire status I don't fucking care about this heartbroken Rich, privileged white girl I don't care I And here's the thing
0: so, The only people that care are Swifties And like, you know, and like I'm not gonna be mad that the, like like who runs the world? It's not like it's the Swifties. I mean, it's it's the Swifties' world. They're just we're just living in it, right? Um, and I'm, I'm like like whatever. Like we could have a lot. Like here's the thing: is that it could always be worse. I'd rather have the Swifties be who they are than than to have I don't know the 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 Snyderverse fuckers. Be yeah. at the level that they're at, like the be at the level that the Swifties are at. Like there, there can always be a worse demon out there, right? And, I, I mean, you know, I mean, they're just little girls that like, like are super hyper focused on. I
2: mean, like, some no, of no, them sorry. aren't little girls. Some are yeah, grown ass people. <laughs> they're
0: gr- grown ass people hyper focused on on her relationships and her. Like, I mean you know if she isn't a master ma- a a master, a master marketing genius i don't know who is like think about it she's taken her career follies or her personal life follies and turned them into a billion dollar empire like literally like so much so that like like you know her exes have become like celeb like sub celebrities in their world right Like they're just, they're not, they're not stars anymore. They're co-stars in Swifty's life, you know? And it's just wild. It's just fucking wild. And like, okay, fine. You want that. Uh, Is it getting into, is it getting in the way of uh, the NFL? Uh, Yes and no. Um, I
2: I feel like it's just one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, you know. It's like, like, it's like any other NFL story. Yeah, we both know because we watch a lot of NFL football and and football in general sports in general. They like their stories like, yes, they always helps to have this good story behind any team player circumstance, anything, you know, like. Like fucking Jim Abbott throwing a no hitter like it, you know the dude has one yeah. fucking hand like it helps a lot to to generate interest when you have stories like that and that's great but we have also been around long enough to just be like like there are stories where it's like I'm fucking tired of hearing about this story like yeah and not not. Not the ones that are like kind of like uplifting about, you know, uh, like Warwick Dunn, uh, you know, <laughs> and how he grew up and, you know, or, or somebody, you know, whose parents died at a young age and had to raise their siblings or are, you know, grew up super poor and with the first NFL contract bought their mama house. And which is that's a pretty common story. Um it, Stuff like that that That's fine And and if they talk about it Three or four times During the game But like The The like Truly like Especially the romantic shit I just don't fucking care man Like um, Who was it that uh, It was the college player That had the girlfriend That turned out to be fake uh, Oh
0: god I can't even think of what his name is But I know who exactly what you're talking about
2: and that like whole... th- he was duped, but like somehow it was his fault. That, like the media yes. wanted to blame him, and like the girl had died, and so it was like this supposedly died, and it was like the story, and then it came out that like the girl never existed, but like he had been catfished, and like like it 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 was just such a like I, I just got tired of hearing about it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it it was frustrating to just keep re- hearing about it.
0: It really was because it was like it got away from what you want, which like ultimately is what the problem is with the whole swifty of it is is you just want to watch football without any interruption. You want to concentrate on the game without distractions.
2: Multiplayer. Yes. Um but there's yeah, actually a yeah. documentary about it on Netflix. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh good thing. So, uh-huh. uh, it's like yeah, Netflix, the girlfriend their... who didn't exist or something like that. <sighs> um so uh it it's 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 interesting after the fact, but like when when it was going on, like it, it just got so tiresome. Like, especially before everybody knew it was like not real. Like, having Mm -hmm. to constantly hear about, I don't know, it it just, you know, it was sad that she died, supposedly died, and then she wasn't real, and and then, like, it became this media frenzy. Yeah, like you said, it just gets away from watching football, and I just want to watch football. If there's an interesting story there, then, like, okay, but... When it becomes the only story to talk about for two and a half or three hours, it, it's, you know, and you can't watch a Chiefs game because every five minutes they're fucking cutting to Taylor Swift. And it's just like, I did, I didn't, I I could go to the theaters and watch Taylor Swift. I want to watch the Chiefs play football. <laughs> uh, um, that's true. Um. I watched something that you haven't seen um which apparently is going to make a shit ton of money this weekend. Yes. Which so, is a good thing. Like
0: it's going to piss off it's going to piss off the old horror heads but I'm okay with that because it kind of needs you kind of need this kind of disruption, right? Um I I think so. Um So
2: I, I don't know if the movie's worth <laughs> the, <laughs> the disruption. But, so I saw Five Nights at Freddy's. Maybe the most interesting thing about this story is the fact that if you just sign up for Peacock, you can fucking watch it on your TV at home, and it's going to make $80 million this weekend. That's what they're saying, which is amazing. But it also tells It's a record you, for how... Uh, yeah. for like, Halloween weekend So yes but Okay so
0: So here's the thing like to me And correct me if I'm wrong This is the
2: influence
0: Of video games
2: I mean this is the second video Game movie this year That It might only be the second video Game movie this year and They've both been super Fucking successful (laughs) Super successful. Like,
0: like so much so that I don't like, this was like, so this is like very similar to the Megan story about how Pete, like how, like, and this, this all goes to Peacock or this all goes to Blumhouse. Right. And Blumhouse, like, like my, the funniest thing about this is that Blumhouse was expecting Exorcist to do the numbers that five nights at Freddy is doing. And Five Nights at Freddy's was supposed to do less than what, what um, Exorcist is doing. And the funnier part about this is, is, the funniest part about this is, is that it proves what William Goldman, the, the screenwriter of, uh, of every like, you know, of Butch Cassidy and Sundance kid said about Hollywood. No one knows anything because like this, like, okay. So like, like my favorite part about this, again, an interaction with Scott Phillips was, I was like, so dude, are you excited about Five Nights at Freddy? And he goes, what, that that movie that, that, that they copied the Nicolas Cage movie from? And I laughed out loud at the text because it proved to me, like, and I like, you know, like it proved to me how like that particular, like Gen X is like in a certain sector of Gen X and the boomers have no idea about this and that's why it's surprising to mainstream media even like i've known five nights at freddy for what since the early 2000s maybe even like the early like yeah it was like the early 2000s when it started to become a thing where the books started coming out the video games especially the video games and it's a bunch
2: of guys well mid-2000s uh it looks like like 2012 2013 was the first game Oh, okay. 2014, sorry, 2014. So, not quite right. early 2000s. That okay, was the so first game. About that. Yeah. Mid 2000s. It's just, it's because we're old. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Somebody this the other true. day was talking about 2002, and I was like, yeah, that was like a decade ago. They were like, that was 21 years <laughs> ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, like, the funniest part to yeah. me is like, so
2: 2014 <laughs> feels like the early 2000s. <laughs>
0: it really does. It really does. But, like, back to my point, like, we, like, we, like, I know about it. I played the first two, but there's an entire generation, like, that are non-mainstream media guys that don't give a shit about anything. Just here, Five Nights at Freddy sees the trailer and goes, holy shit, this is like the video game, and goes, fuck it, I want to see this. Horror people who, again, under the radar, don't give a shit about what mainstream media thinks. And looks at it and goes, that's what I want. I don't want why the fuck do I want an Exorcist movie? Like, that's the question. Yeah. Like, and it's like, no, what I really want is a Five Nights at Freddy. Like, you know, it's it's interesting to me that that people are surprised about this. And I'm like, nah, bro, like I like I know, like I like this is one of those things like like the Mario Brothers movie. Like, you know. We knew it was going to be a seismic hit. Like, we just didn't.
2: Yeah, the thing, well, Mario has that, like, cross appeal, to like, generational appeal. Yes. Like, even though I think we found less to enjoy in the movie than, like, someone who's under the age of 15. um,
1: Yeah.
2: Five Nights at Freddy's is recent enough that it's, like, That does not have generational appeal. Like I, so I honestly thought it was a book series first, then a game series. I was corrected. I watched it with a friend of mine and her her children. Her daughter is very much into the lore of it all and was very upset when they changed some things. Um, (laughs) She tried to explain the difference, and I was just like. That sounds like the same thing. And she's like, no, it's like, listen, it's like, it was like listening to Potter fans talk about the books and the movies. But it sounds like the same thing to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna like care enough. Um, But, uh, but yeah, she was really, really into it. She thought it was okay. She did not love it because mostly because of the change in the lore. Uh, Meanwhile, I, I I don't think this is like I- even in horror terms is is high art. It, it, it's <laughs> it's kind of in the vein of like those really stupid horror movies that came on like in the late eighties early nineties when we're growing up, like Killer Clowns kind of stuff. Oh, you shit. know where okay. it's like yeah yeah. It's kind of scary if I'm eight, but (laughs) these fucking things move so slow and look so goofy and clunky like. It's it's not that scary, you know, and
0: it's kind of like it's kind of like Megan, right? Like where Megan isn't scary, but it's it's got that thing right like that creep factor.
2: Yeah, I they are creepy. They are very, very creepy. But like, there's yeah. not even any solid jump scares. There, like, there wasn't a single thing that was kind of scary for me. Uh huh. Which is fine. It's a, it's not for really for me. But it's also not not enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. um, there there's this whole uh subplot about. Um, the guy has custody of his little sister and, um, what's his name from the Hunger Games? Uh, Hutcherson, Josh Hutcherson, Josh yeah.
1: Um,
2: he has custody of his little sister and like the, they're like somebody's trying to take custody away and like they, they're using these people against him to, to try to like set him up and make him fail and part of that involves them going to freddy's to like ransack the place and of course they're in there alone and the the creatures or the the, whatever the the animatronics are just like oh fresh meat (laughs) you know and just like tell them (laughs) and like it's stupid but it's kind of fun you know it's like well yeah you know you kind of get what you deserve there but like the The lore behind it all made zero fucking sense to me, Matthew Lillard is in it for like five minutes, but he's fun um Josh hutcherson is really good in it like there's this <laughs> there is a very interesting subplot that doesn't play doesn't play out like I wanted it to play out, and honestly. I I think would make for an interesting movie. It's about, so when he was a kid, you find out Uh um, that he had a younger brother. And when he was growing up, they were at a park in like Colorado or Wyoming or somewhere like at a national park. And he was supposed to be keeping an eye on his younger brother and his younger brother got kidnapped and they never Mm -hmm. found him again. Oh shit, okay And that's this like, underlying Like, very fucked up subplot Like, he's mentally Like, not stable And now, like, because Uh, his His mom passed away And his dad just fucked off Because he couldn't handle it He now has custody of his little sister You know, who uh, apparently They brought into the world uh, Because, you know, Hey what heals a broken family like having another fucking kid um yeah so (laughs) she's also not really mentally stable like there's some solid ground here for like a truly fucked up horror movie Mm -hmm. unfortunately this is just set in a world where like it's this rundown like uh chuck e cheese with uh like Animatronics that are like possessed and want to kill people and it's it's just silly and goofy, but like there's this whole subplot about where he's reading this book about how you this get this doctor's like you remember everything that ever happened to you, you just have to f- find a way to access those memories, and he's spent all his adult life trying to relive. In his dreams, the moment his brother got kidnapped, so that he can see the person that did it.
0: Oh shit! That is like some crazy Inception Christopher Nolan by
2: yeah
1: like horror. I'm like, this like, is that's actually,
0: really interesting. <laughs> I wonder if it's, the sequel is going to take place, uh, gonna take that and run with it, or is it just something that's just cannon fodder? It doesn't matter, and it's just like, oh
2: no, we're we're gonna have this interesting thing, but we're never going to touch it. Um, so I, the spoilers, they resolve it in the movie. It's just such a flat resolve that it's like, ah, like, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's very just like, oh, like that is not as interesting as I hoped it would be. Like, it would almost be more interesting for him to like, come to the realization Just flat out come to the realization of like, I need to live the life I have now and not keep dwelling on this thing that happened and trying to, to resolve these issues. I need to be able to let it go, not solve the problem because there was no solution. His, uh, it's been decades. His brother's probably most assuredly dead. Um, And his family's torn apart and he, all he has is his little sister. And instead of focusing on how to make that work, he's trying to save somebody that he can't save. So, like, th- that's there's some really good stuff there for, like, some catharsis and shit. It just doesn't mm-hmm. amount to anything. Um, which is a shame. But yeah, it's also, like I said, a movie about demented, animatronic <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese characters. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect it to go in it, but I wasn't expecting that kind of thing in it to begin with. So um, it's fine. Like, if okay. you were going to say, like, I have s- somebody under the age of 15 in my care who is interested in watching horror movies what can i show them absolutely you can show them this movie so it's gately like, horror then basically yes a- absolutely okay. which you i imagine uh we could kind of end on this you watch some of the new uh 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 what's it called on disney plus oh
0: good go- uh um uh, jesus christ bro you made me forget
2: goosebumps yes goosebumps, goosebumps yeah which you know that's kind of what that was right gateway heart
0: yes exactly and so it's interesting because they both mythologized it and made it a mythology anthology series but also kept to the anthology side of it so like how it how it works is is that so remember how goosebumps used to be just like individual stories that they told um, that had no context to a greater story. It's just R.L. signs goosebumps, right? And each yeah. book was, and each TV show was like an adaptation of it, kind of very similar to the way that um, Twilight Zone works, right? Where there's no con- connective tissue. Okay, so, but here, because of the stranger things of it all, they've decided to make it a... Um, both... A series that takes each of the like takes like the biggest uh, successes of those of the of the TV series and integrate it into a larger story. So it's kind of like, did you see the Goosebumps movie? Not the part two. I didn't like part two, but I liked
2: part one. Nope. Um, I didn't see. Oh, it. okay.
0: Okay, so that one was a little meta because it like casted Jack Black as R.L. Stein. The version right. of R.L. Stine, and his books come to life a la Jumanji. I really liked it, it was a lot of fun. Um, this one kind of takes a similar thing where they have a, it's very, like I said, Stranger Things. It's like a group of teenagers. It's actually, it, okay, so it's, did you watch the new version of Are You Afraid of the Dark?
2: Uh, I don't think so.
0: Okay, so it's very much like Are You Afraid of the Dark where it's a group of teenagers, that are, that are together and all of their parents share a secret, a secret that's coming back to haunt them, um, a la, you know, Scream or whatever, like teenage slasher that you have. And basically weird things start happening um, because of a ghost or a spirit inside of a house that Justin Long's character, who plays the new English professor at the high school. And so like, all of the different kind, like all of the different books that they're using, are an episode that tell a single incident within the larger story, <clears throat> which makes it interesting because, like, they have the. Of course, they have. Of course, they have the. Um, what's his name? The. Oh the ventriloquist doll, which is like the biggest of the series, right? Like that's the most infamous of it. And they have him there. I haven't gotten to him, but it all plays into the larger story rather than being a single one-off, which makes it weird because like what I loved about the Goosebumps TV show, um, which I didn't get to until the pandemic. Uh, yeah, And it's a good, so ultimately Goosebumps It's an interesting way to do this. I'd much rather have had it be like a Twilight Zone-esque series where it's like one-offs for each of the books. But in this era, like with Stranger Things, it's very much so aping the whole Stranger Things kind of model of um, YA horror. And I'm not mad at it. I'll finish it. Um, I like the performances. It's very... It's very, like, kid-friendly, Goonies, but maybe a little bit more heightened with the horror, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm, I've heard good things. Uh, one of my deskmates at work, uh, she's been talking about it and how much uh, her and her daughter have been enjoying it. So, mm-hmm. it, it's been on my radar. Um, and... You know, especially with we're coming up on uh, Halloween. Halloween. Um, yeah, I may check it out, but t- yeah, it's one of those things where I'd like it. I'd like to be confident in the, like, ah, if I don't check it out, like, I, you know, it's something to come back to w- when I'm in a spooky mood or next Halloween or whatever. But, like, hell, the way things are going with streaming services, you know, mm-hmm. I, it. it, it it might not be there,
0: no, it may not, and ultimately that's like the again physical media man like it, it's it's very weird and cagey and how it's now working, like you know I, like i gotta I gotta bug up my ass to want to watch to finish up um willow, and I had forgotten that it's off the surface now
1: yep. I can't
0: I can't watch it, I can't watch the like like I can't watch it because. It's in the ether, wherever they decide to to land it, because they're probably going to sell it to someplace else. And it's going to end up on like Amazon Prime, like the like the Batman Merry Christmas movie that should have been on HBO Max. But now it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. I I like it though i will say that if you're gonna watch something spooky season this year i would like for you i would definitely say house of uh the fall of the house of usher would probably be the thing that i would yeah. recommend because that's just a brilliant bit of of horror from flanagan and you know i mean i feel like flanagan is operating at a level that no one else is operating on right now in horror or i would even i would even make a I would make a case that he's probably started to enter in the conversation of like a top 10 storyteller uh, within American cinema or American uh, media, because I mean, he does so much with the extended storytellings and he's so good at it. Um, Good in a way that I don't think anybody else is. Like there's nobody else that's as good as he is at telling stories, either horror or non-horror in a limited series fashion. Um his stuff ends satisfyingly. Um, it's beautifully shot, it's perfectedly acted, the scripts are like marvels, um, not marvel as in marvels of like you know, not MCU, but just marvels of of storytelling. So I would say that if anybody was gonna watch anything, that um there is one thing I did want to talk about, which is kind of very interesting since we're talking about comic books and good things. Um, if people are not playing it already, um, which I, I highly doubt with two and a half million people um either downloading or purchasing the game, Spider-Man two is just flat out some of the best storytelling um in like that I've seen in 2023. Like I'm only probably about twenty percent finished with the game. And this is with probably about twenty hours of gameplay so far. Um, and it's some of the best storytelling that I've had in any kind of medium this year. It's so entertaining. It's heartfelt. It's a little bit emotional. Um, and if you've played the first two Spider-Man movies or games, uh, be prepared for some really, really leveled up, um, gameplay. Because they keep all the mechanics. They've added in a few details. Um, and you can switch between Miles and Peter anytime you want. Now, of course, there's not going to be story points, maybe. Maybe one person has a story point that the other doesn't that you have to interact with. But, man, oh, man, they they made a very good Spider game um, that I already feel eclipses both of the first two Spider-Man games just on gameplay, playability, fun, Um graphics and design so i just wanted to throw that out there i know that you're not playing it yet but i did want to say it because we're we 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 trouble we travel through game universes occasionally and i just wanted to throw a shout out to there and how much i'm enjoying playing this and after the story is finished i am going to go 100 with this like we've talked about this before i rarely go 100 on games but i'm going to go like every spider-man game i've gone 100 i've the, the the these last two spider-man games i have gone 100 on i'm going to go 100 on this one i just know it because it's just that playable and that much fun
2: yeah i'm i can't wait like uh, i know you can't it's i'm unfortunately it's probably going to be christmas but mm-hmm. you know at least that gives me some time to like, away my options, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, finish some Switch stuff I've been kind of, like, playing off and on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although, I I almost picked up Mario Wonder the other day.
0: (laughs) Thank God I have Spider-Man, because I did not, I could not keep, I I finished a game I finished Starfield. I didn't go 100 on it. I'm still playing it inactively. Like I finished the main storyline, so now it's just exploration. It's like basically, I get to play a space game where I can throw on. Like okay, so like just a weird thing. Like we haven't talked about Starfield, which is, is that I've I've um I've started to um I've started to play it. Like, play it with with like Star Wars music and Star Trek music. In the background, hold on a second. Let me just see something. Pause the recording. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. So yeah, like Starfield is great and all, but it's no Spider-Man Two. Um, I like it. I'm enjoying it. It's a space game. It's allowing me to get my Star Trek, Star Wars on, and so to speak. But Spider-Man Two is like, so just as a, as a like a side note. It just makes me more excited because Insomniac is handling the Logan Wolverine game,
1: and yeah.
0: if they're leveled up in this regard to Spider-Man, I cannot imagine what this Logan game is going to be. Um, because there's like, <laughs> like okay, just as an example of how fun this game is, at a certain point Miles has to go and find um, has to go and find Black Cat who is stealing something from Dr. Strange. And you have a whole fight, not with Black Cat, but with Hunter Craven's men. And you're trying to help Black Cat. But as you know, in these games, Black Cat has her own agenda. And she's doing things with this piece of ephemera that she stole from uh, that she stole from Doctor Strange's uh you know the centaurum uh, and it's literally you're chasing her at one point going through ultimate dimensions and going through like holes in uh, like like holes in space but then also at a certain point you start fighting Craven's men with her and she's kind of assisting you but kind of not and i tell you like it was a hilarious but wild like level of gaming to play and it's just like you know how like a like certain games the mechanics work in your favor to where even if you're not a hundred percent accurate that like if you get a button wrong it still manages to do something that's very cool and get you out of a situation that's the kind of gaming that's being played with spider-man 2 um and it's difficult but it's not Difficult enough to where you're going to get frustrated with it. At least to me. Um, it's just wild fun. Like they they really got. Like if Marvel is allowing them to do this. Because it's insomniac. And like they're, they're like. You know you can have these things and do these things. It's great. Because like the way that the gameplay is, is handling. Like and that's the thing for me. Is the biggest thing for anything. Is consistent mechanics. Or gaming mechanics. And like leveling up of those mechanics like part of part of my gripe with nintendo sometimes is how they change the mechanics or they don't think about it and they get i get super grumpy over stupid stupidity of where buttons are and why things work in the way that they do like my biggest gripe for zelda in all of its forms now since it went onto the switch and you probably already know what it is which is is that when I get a sword, I want to keep that fucking sword. I don't yep. want to have to hunt for one when it fucking breaks. Um and like, you know, when I get powers, I don't want like if I get an arrow, bow and arrow, I want to keep that bow and arrow. I want to keep that shield. I want to keep those things, right? Doesn't happen. And that and that is the most frustrating part of Zelda games now is that I know that I don't get to keep things. Like I like if I get a sword, it doesn't it, it breaks after four uses, right? Like, you swaddle at something and it breaks. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, Spider-Man does not suffer from that kind of issue of, like, new mechanics. Even though they have new mechanics, like, flying. Um, like, they get the spider wings, which is, oh, man. Um, they opened up the burrows. So there's two more burrows now. You can walk into buildings. Um, you can, like, I oh, man. Um Clinton uh uh Clinton's back uh Mysterio and you have to help he has side missions where you like he has like these VR things that have gone haywire and you have to go into them and help people out of them because like he like he's put them into temporal rifts it's fucking wild how fucking fun this game is like so you're getting like the mysticism but you're also getting like the hard level reality play in the games like the 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 like you know crimes in progress um another big thing the car chases you don't have to stop them they actually automatically stop once you defeat the enemies when you're on top of the car which was a big thing for me i hated that i hated had to button mash to stop the cars now you don't have to do that um but there are other things that are make it a little bit harder. Like the way that you fight the enemies on the car is very different. It's like traditional gameplay. And there's a lot more abilities to be thrown off the vehicle. But it's also gives you that slight slowdown to allow you to get reattached with a spider web. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like it is like by far in a way like, and I've played a lot of games this year Um, this is the most fun. Like, even if I, like, happen to die or, like, somebody gets me, I'm not mad. Like, I usually get really frustrated, but it's like, this game is so much fun, I'm like, oh, shit, I'll do that again. I'm okay with it. Um, I've had friends that have already completed it, but they've spent, like, 60 hours. Like, I I don't have that (laughs) time, right? Um, But from everything I've heard, Like the ending just makes you want like, like, like the last one, it makes you want a Spider-Man, another Spider-Man game. Um, so, so yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it's a little bit of a challenge, but most of all, it's some of the best storytelling in video games right now. And, you know, and I, I've gotten to the point where, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I feel like games are getting to the point to now where they're becoming as obsessive to me as films. And I know that's a bold statement, but man, when you got people that are actually pushing against like what's possible in video games and nobody seems to want to push other than James Cameron um, what, what is possible in filmmaking, and you're a kind of guy that likes that stuff, yeah, you probably go over to the, you know, you probably go over to the video games, oh, and it just looks gorgeous. Like flying through, flying through New York, is as is better than any uh, uh than the previous two games. And you know how good it was in the first two games, so yeah, um, I can't wait for you to like, I really cannot wait for you to play this game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it'll probably be Christmas. So, <clears throat> but I may drop the sixty bucks for Mario Wonder between now and then. So, because oh my god, it looks so much fun! It does.
0: That one actually looks like a lot of fun. Like, um, man, who knew RPG? Right? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, but I don't know. Like, I'm wait. Re- like at this point, I kind of want. I know that I know that Nintendo has this tendency to be about one to two generations behind with visuals. I feel like at this point di- like Nintendo needs to kind of solve that and rectify that because I feel like there's something to be said about nintendo's portability and their game mechanics that uh, i know that i was just saying that i have a terrible like i i have like you know issues with them with their their mechanics but i feel like game like visuals could help a little bit if they bumped it up do you know what i mean like just take it to the next level like be on par with xbox and and sony i know it's possible it's Sony's about to release a portable handset, right? That is supposedly running circles visually around the Switch, even though the Switch is like, you know, fantastic gaming system with like heavy duty, like, you know, hardware behind it. I'm just like wondering what... I'm wondering when they're going to do that. Like when they're going to finally... Like push and do a, And go on par Because do you, I mean maybe I'm wrong But I feel like it's possible They just choose not to Right
2: Yeah I mean it feels like it yeah.
0: Or just give me a, ba- a longer battery life Jesus Christ I mean if you're going to suffer through that Like give me a longer battery life Give me something that's going to last like like a, Like an iPhone battery Right like 6 hours 8 hours of constant play not this like i'm lucky even with my oled i'm lucky if i'm playing something heavy duty like like zelda i'm lucky if i get what two hours in of gameplay before it it gets to that point where i'm gonna have to charge it or put like you know put the charging cable on it
2: yeah yeah so but uh, we'll see we'll see yep. uh, uh, well um yeah I guess that's a good place to end it. Um, Absolutely. We'll be back, hopefully, next week. (laughs) Should be. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm I'm better daily, so um, barring any, you know, setbacks. Uh, Go check out everything else we're doing over at XWingFiles.com, including uh, Pod Lasso, which is, we're well into Season 3 of Ted Lasso, so that'll be wrapping up soon, and... If you want to hear us uh talk some hear me talk some more about Loki, um you can check out uh Marvel Fanfare, uh which is uh pretty much the only other thing going right now since Star Wars is maybe dead in the water for at least a little while. Um Yeah.
1: I mean
0: skeleton crew is not supposed to be coming out until spring or summer of next yeah. year,
2: right? Yeah. So it seems to be a Star Wars drought So we might find something to talk about But, you know, I don't know Jacob's got a kid Elizabeth is about to have a kid So I feel like oh. <laughs> their podcasting days Are probably fairly limited <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, But, uh, and then of course You can check out Adam's stuff
1: Yes,
0: um, the um Where we were. For- we forewent the usual Friday posting of Logan's moving pictures and we moved it to devil's night on Monday because very fittingly um, he is going to have a piece about the crow, which if you know the crow, then you know, devil's night is super important for that. Um, And it's a great little piece of um, discussion about what the crow truly is about, um, which I feel like gets lost And the whole Brandon Lee saga of it all. Um, And very much so is a really, really great article. I really enjoyed it. Like, it made me look contextually different at The Crow. Um, Even though I kind of knew the Obar stuff, I really didn't know the Obar stuff. And your kind of discussion about that and what happened was kind of amazing and it's uh it's actually something that i'm i've got on the list for us to watch this uh this halloween so not this halloween but like this weekend we're going to be watching yeah. the crow um we're going to be watching the crow so i'll be uh so yeah it's it's a really good article and i think that people should be reading it
2: i appreciate that uh, No, absolutely. I, it was uh was uh, a lot more difficult to go back to that movie than i thought it would be so
1: yeah that was a movie i
2: loved i mean i loved when i was in high school like oh yeah i i I watched it endlessly i listened to the soundtrack all the damn time Um,
0: soundtrack man oh dude i was right there with you man like when you started talking about like your history with it and I was like, "Fuck, that was like that was the jam. Like this was like the movie. I still remember seeing it um, in a packed house, and just fuck, man, that was just yeah. Like I don't, I think that it's left an imprint. I just don't think that people remember how much of an imprint it left on on pop culture. And it's kind of like a nice reminder of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, it's a good one to revisit, especially if you're dealing with uh any kind of like grief and you you just need like some kind of catharsis cuz you know i mean yeah it's kind of fun to watch him fuck up all the bad guys <laughs> so, yes no it, it really
0: is um again michael wincott playing yeah. you know just doing his thing <sighs> man yeah
2: so and uh, early bilingual like he, yeah that's when everybody was like, ooh, who is this? And now everybody's kind of over it. So, But anyway, yeah, <laughs> go uh, go check out all that stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week. I, I have no clue. Definitely talking about Loki, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I'll be through some more of Upload by then. Um, I don't know. I mean, Our, I'll
1: catch up. I'll catch up. Gonna,
2: because, I mean, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm a huge fan. Like, we're a huge yeah. fan, so... I will make it a point to like start watching some of those episodes because that's an undercover show that they're even, dropping like, that's in a two show. at a time.
2: Like, yeah, I, weird, I hate right? that they're. I mean, I get it. Like, it's the final season, so there's no like not much reason to build up. But I had mm-hmm. just I hate that they're burning them off. Yeah, they're like
0: literally just, yeah. but. Uh, we'll be back. I will definitely um, catch up on it and I will get back to you. And we can have actually a full on discussion because, like, yeah, that's that's a show that I really, really, really enjoy. So, so yeah, no, absolutely.
2: All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. See
1: you guys next week.
0: Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole. All their MP3s, but before they all
1: sold out, they all together, you with me now. Merge. Everything